to down to dust. Yeah, um, missed and peeved. Missed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be missed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I don't use it, but it's a real one. I don't use it, but it's a real one. Down to dust. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht, part of DailyThunder.com, CLNS Media. And we're featured on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today, I've got my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Andrew, I really want to be Jeff Green, and I really want to find <laughs> my personal LeBron James. <laughs> no kidding. I think we're all Jeff Green, just in search yeah. of our LeBron. Yeah. Uh, man, that was that was crazy. I mean, halfway through the first quarter, you kind of thought, okay... Like, this is just going to go like the whole series has. And the Boston Celtics are going to win this game because their role players are going to hit shots and nobody on the Cavs are going to make any shots. That's <laughs> what it felt like. And that was not the case. LeBron was completely dominant on both ends. Uh, he really did it all. And, you know, you got to give credit to Jeff Green and to J.R. Smith and to Tristan Thompson for showing up in Boston, something they hadn't done really uh, so far this series. But Jeff Green was really good. He had some really great finishes at the rim. He hit yeah. some spot up shots uh, defensively. I thought he played really well. Uh, you have to give him credit if he was that guy every night. I mean, he wouldn't certainly wouldn't be on a minimum contract. No, no, and he, he actually was very, very solid, which is probably the thing that you don't expect from, from Jeff Green. Yeah. Uh, because he had, he had his moments, you know, cause he then after terrible surgery in Boston, um, and even like in, in spots in his career, but what he did, uh, in these playoffs, I think it's, I think it's great. Uh, I, I, like he has a different confidence. I mean, he was shooting the ball from the corner with, Absolutely no hesitation, which yeah. is something very advisable. I mean, and it's something that on the other side of the court, um, the youngster of Boston didn't do. Right. Like there was a lot of hesitations, a lot of like heavy, heavy um, basketballs uh, on, on that end. And like weirdly enough, the one that wasn't afraid to let it fly was the youngest. Like Jason didn't play played an amazing oh, game, yeah. like, like incredible. It was like, it could have been like a defining moment, um, for him. Uh, I think it was kind of defining in, 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 in a slightly different way, but still a big moment for him. It's too bad for the others, uh, because I think they deserved, uh, they made an incredible run, but I mean, LeBron is LeBron. Have you seen like what happened like after, um, in the like few seconds after the game? I'm not sure what you're referring to. Uh, LeBron basically ran. Uh, he the first player of, of Boston that he um, like ex- exchanged word with was Al Horford. Yeah, and then he searched specifically for Jason Tatum. Yeah, and it was it was well, it was it was something. That's a it's a cool moment. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that yeah, that Boston team is going to be just unreal in the next few years. Um, but they will. Like this year was like there's no expectations at all whatsoever. Yeah, they're just all gone. After Kyrie went out, obviously Hayward went out early, but then Kyrie goes out, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, first round exit. Come back next year; they'll be better. Somehow they get their way; they make their way to the conference finals because all these dudes step up and they get better as the playoffs go go along. And uh, you know, it was incredible; it was an incredible run. But next season, like their expectation is conference finals. Like yeah, they, like they better get to the conference finals. Like it's just going to have a different feel to it. I mean, you know, you know, as the Thunder did stuff like that. I mean, they made the finals ahead of schedule, and then it was like, yeah. okay, well, they better get back there and win it, or else it's a disappointment. And it was, you know, every year after that. I mean, that finals run was just super fun, and every year after, that, expectations just change the way a fan base looks at a team. Uh, yeah, and I just, I just wonder what that'll look like going forward. But uh, that team is going to be really fun and really, really jealous of Fred. He gets to go cover <laughs> cover that team now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he will be in a, in a good spot. Yeah, no question. But uh, LeBron's back in the finals. Uh, I think that there's not a lot of like OKC implications there, but. I mean, if you're going to dig super deep, you know, it's, I think it's a good, a good thing for the Thunder and Paul George, because, you know, if LeBron goes out before the cop or before the finals or, you know, somehow they lost Toronto or, you know, they were, we forget how close they were to losing to Indiana, Yeah, you know, then like they have all late springs and early summer to plan something together, you know, because yeah, players can talk. Yeah. So obviously what happened, you know, for both teams at that point was not ideal. And LeBron would could just reach out and say, Hey, we're going to go to wherever. And this is where, what we're going to do. And I feel like Paul George would likely go with them, but you know, LeBron makes the finals again. Obviously, the the team is not great that he's playing with. <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> and uh, but still, he's shown the ability to make the finals. And there's a lot of talk out there about his family and his kids. He's got older kids now who probably have more of an opinion as to where they live and where he goes and stuff like that. And you know, them making the finals is a big deal, and I don't think staying in Cleveland's out of the question. Um, they would certainly have to do something, um, you know, at the draft or this summer to convince him to stay. But, you know, we're going to talk about some prospects that will actually be available uh, around that spot, and I don't know if any of them really move the needle all that much for LeBron, but um, there's some talented guys. Yeah, yeah, there are. And we, we already discussed uh, Michael Porter uh, Jr., uh, which is, I think, in that range, uh, depending on um, how the teams before uh, Cleveland will draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a no-brainer at that spot um, if you want to swing for the fences. Um, 
there are other prospects uh, that we we will probably discuss today that can very well help. But I think I still think um, that they can get something for that pick, something real. Um, trading um, maybe part of the salary of like trading maybe like someone like George Hill or or even if they want Kevin Love to get someone real uh, to help LeBron. Um, they, they have tools. They have tools to rate, to try to construct something again uh, around LeBron. But like to me, one of the lessons of this postseason, it's continuity means something. Yeah. Because like they were in a desperate, as you said, in a desperate situation. Well, you didn't use the word desperate, but they really risked uh, to like to basically be, be beaten, be beaten by um, Indiana, mm-hmm. and they regroup. Uh, they found Tristan Thompson. Uh, Jr. hit a crazy amount of shots against Toronto. Uh, he was okay in home games against um, Boston, and they somehow reached the final again because they know uh, how they play in crucial moments. It's their um, third run with this score, more or less. Um, the fourth one with this score, with part of this score, and so I think there is a huge value in continuity, and so and LeBron does know that. Like even if Philly next year is, Philly and Boston are like immensely uh, talented. I think he can gamble on himself again, especially yeah. if some real player comes to help him. What if he did a George Hill plus whatever and the eighth pick? To get Marcus Saul, uh, I I I think uh, the kind of like the level of the player that you can get is precisely um, at top, say between twenty five and thirty five, maybe something like that. I don't like the fit of Marcus though. I don't like the fit uh, either. I'm just trying to think about. I mean, I guess you could even do Mike Conley, but I don't like his contract no, no, no. at all. No. No, no, no. You, 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 like, there's a limit of what you can do to try to win. But uh, imagine uh, that Kemba doesn't want to be in Charlotte. Yeah. And it's vocal about that. Mm-hmm. You can easily, I, I don't, it's not easy, but you can, you, you can, you can say like George Hill plus the eight pick plus maybe a future first since you don't have like m- many assets mm-hmm. um, that will go away in the future years. Maybe you can trade a protected one, like a top five, top eight protected pick, uh, which is still a very, very good outcome for one year of Kemba Walker, if you're Charlotte. And you can do immediately uh, a rebuild. Um, And maybe you can use part of the assets that you get to shed some salary in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there are ways for Cleveland to retool. Because if you have like LeBron James, uh, Kemba Walker, and Kevin Love, I don't think you are like not good in the East. You can be very well a top four team in the East with that core. Yeah. Uh, maybe like it's always something that is short sighted, of course. But you have LeBron, and so you have to be short sighted. What if you did uh, George Hill, Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance, and you did Kemba Walker and Nick Batum? And obviously, the eighth pick is included there. But you did both those guys. I think LeBron will prefer Mar- Marvin Williams in the in the package um, because 
I think it's more suited to play with him. But then you basically lost all your defensive pieces in one goal. Interest mm-hmm. in Thompson and, and Lerinians. And then you need to you need to get someone who can actually defend. Mm-hmm. And like Tristan Thompson uh, is like he he had like a Kardashian here. Uh, we will know that uh, <laughs> he really did. But but now he's extremely solid for them. Like yeah. he he's back and being like the crazy good offensive rebounder that can actually switch um, on guards and not be like demolished by them. It will be a totally under story against James Harden or Steph Curry, um, but it's still uh, a valuable piece, an overpriced piece, uh, piece uh, to be sure. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, I think they will they they would rather uh, give away a different uh, guy than Tristan Thompson. So you could do George Hill, Jetty Osman, Ante Zizic for Marvin Williams, Kimball Walker. Eighth pick is there too. Does it work? Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, that I would, I, I would really do that because I think there's, there is a good value on what you send out, uh, but not like nothing uh, crazy. And you can retool with the best two players of Charlotte and a lineup with Jr. Uh, Kemba. LeBron, Marvin Williams, and Kevin Love actually works. And you can also work with uh, uh, Marvin Williams and Tristan Thompson because you mm-hmm. have enough shooting, especially if Marvin Williams reminds reminds himself how to shoot. Um, right. But yeah, I think it's... There, there are... Like, even if you change team and you don't discuss Charlotte, you, you, can, uh, you can look around the league. There are teams that are desperate, uh, that want to do something, and yeah. that will do something. Um, next summer because they are either capped out or they are uh, in in a weird situation in terms of their uh, expectation and their actual roster and so I think there is leverage and if you if LeBron says yes then you have plenty of tools to uh, to make a like a decent a better roster roster than the one that is competing right now yeah it's the, yeah, there there are ways to keep him in Cleveland. I guess is yes what what we're trying to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I don't I have no clue what he will do. Just no, no earthly idea. And the whole you know the the Thunder are waiting for Paul, and the mm-hmm. entire franchise kind of hangs in the balance with what he decides to do. But the entire league, obviously Cleveland hangs in the balance with LeBron, but the entire league waits on LeBron. Because if he yep. moves if he moves conferences, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. If he stays, it changes everything. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just he is still easily the best player in the NBA. And there's just no question about it. There's nobody yeah. that could have done what he did with that team. Nobody else in the NBA. You put Kevin Durant on that team, they may have lost to Indiana. You put Kevin Durant on that team, they they probably don't sweep uh, Toronto. Toronto. You yeah. know, Steph Curry, mm-hmm. you put him on that team. They they can't do you this. You don't beat Boston. You don't beat Boston. No. I mean, there's no. just nobody. Russell Westbrook, you put Russ on that team, they may lose in round one. Like, you just can't. He will take as many shots as LeBron. That that is probably accurate. There's no question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know that. Uh, but yeah, it's 
he's still easily the best player in the world. And the more he does, the closer he's getting to it being pretty easy to say, you know, he's the best player ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, you are on one hand, you have longevity and incredible transformation of body of like, um, way to play because like LeBron was different when he was young. Now he's completely dominating whatever game he plays. Last night he played 48 (laughs) and he was still able to like destroy someone at the rim that I don't recall like just right now um, in the last five minutes of the game. So it's, it's a different greatness uh, and it's fine. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to be forced to pick one. They were for both, reason they are for both reason the two best player that ever played about in, in a basketball court oh, yeah. michael was probably the most successful players in terms of win, winning percentage in terms of finals but probably lebron was the best overall player and there's no contradiction in say so and you probably say that they are equal as a player and one had a better team there's many many uh, ways to um uh, to parse their career. And I think the only loss that LeBron can really um, regret is the one against Dallas. For the rest, he was yep. basically all the time the underdog and sometimes badly. And he made series out of nothing uh, just through his level of play, which is, which is in, his incredible well, level of play that he can raise no matter of age, no matter of the opponents. And that's that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. He's just incredible. We have to enjoy watching him while we can because it's not going to go on forever, but uh, it's just been an incredible run for him. And I hope. Are you sure about that? (laughs) I I don't know. I I guess. I don't know. Maybe we find out he's a robot 30 years from now. Um, Who do you have tonight? Golden State or Houston? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a tough question. I, when I was in one of the last, um, Thunder of the Dark, I said, uh, Golden State in six, uh, which is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I still lean towards Golden State. Um, but like, it depends on how and if Chris Paul plays. Uh, I don't, I, I don't have like um, updates on that, so I don't really know. Uh, maybe the the news will be out by the time the podcast goes out, so I don't really know. Uh, I think um, Golden State is a clear favorite, but they they can put like they had trouble uh, against the Houston defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't able to uh, to produce the level of play they. They did all season long, well, the last four seasons, actually. And so if go, if James Arden goes particularly hot and he can somehow sustain um, the level of play for 40 minutes, which is the issue for James Arden, then Houston has a puncher chance. Um, but like in game, uh, in, in Oracle, it was clear to me that the last 15 minutes of the game, he was not okay. There was yeah. no, there was no way he could respond to to clay madness, which is something like incredible by itself. Clay madness at that point. But oh, anyway, man. yeah, yeah, it's, it's just 
uh, unbelievable. And I didn't uh, warn you, but Clay Thompson will be part of our today game on oh. prospects. <laughs> <laughs> Clay, Clay is the best. He, yeah. he is so great. I feel a little bit bad. Like if you feel bad for anybody with Durant going to the Warriors, it's probably Clay because he lost a ton of shots. He doesn't care. I know he like, doesn't care. And that's what's great about him. Right. Yeah. Like he's very much there. Stephen Adams. I can't remember who exactly made, who made that comparison. Somebody made that comparison this year. I can't remember who it was, um, but it's so true. Like he just, he does what the team needs to win either defending or making shots or whatever it is. And then afterwards he didn't care. He's going to go, he's going to go put on a long sleeve shirt, drink a Bud Light and go home. That's what he's going to do. And play with his dog. Yeah. Allegedly. That is what he does. He's just yeah. great. He's just a great guy. Um, all right. Before we move on. And he to takes s- over. Oh, yeah. Like he takes oh. over in, in big games, which is something that Stephen, uh, I hope Stephen will do somehow. Because yeah. I, I think he can sometimes. Yeah. That's something Stephen hasn't done is that he yeah. hasn't gone game six on anybody before. He just. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, before we go to our draft prospects, I want to tell you guys about Andy's Frozen Custard. Right now, you can go to Andy's Frozen Custard. There are several locations uh, in and around Oklahoma City, uh, Texas, Missouri, Kansas. Uh, there's locations all there, so you have to go. If you listen to Down to Dunk and support us, go eat at Andy's. It is just so delicious. It's the best frozen custard. They make it fresh hour by hour. Right now they have two specials. One is their blueberry concrete and then their strawberry shortcake Sunday. The blueberry concrete is so good. But what I'm really looking forward to is in early June, they release their blackberry concrete. And I love blackberries. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, it's just uh, blackberries blended in with their vanilla frozen custard, and it looks unbelievable. So go check out Andy's frozen custard today. It's hot outside. You need a cool treat. Andy's is the place to go. Support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at Andy's frozen custard. Now I want sweets so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to grab something. You have to. Too bad Andy's not here. I know. <laughs> I know. Come on, Andy's. You got to open up a location in Northern Italy. We got to make yeah, this happen. Like, like 12 feet from my house. Yeah. Tops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about a few different prospects today. We're going to talk about, uh, Mikhail and miles bridges. And we're going to talk about, uh, Wendell Carter. Uh, who do you want to start with? Um, it depends. Do you want to start with the game? Let's do that. Let's start with the game. Okay. So um, when I go and, and watch like stat and look at stats for prospects, I try to, uh, to find some, um, first I, I go for body, body type. So same measurements, same stuff. And then I look, um, about like great players that has close to the same stats and, I was watching Mikhail Bridges, uh, and I said, wow, he's a great shooter and he can defend. So the best comp, well, the best comp, the, the, uh, one of the statistical comps that I found was Clay Thompson. 
And now you have to guess who is best at a particular um, stats that I will explain. Okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, I actually trick you into questions, blah, 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 and then you have to tell me true, <laughs> false, or, or give me who is better. Um, um, so the first one is overall production on jump shots. So the number of points um, per possession you make uh, by shooting a jump shot. One prospect is at 1.09, which is by synergy standard, excellent. The other one is 1.22. Whoa. Who's who? Mikhail Burgess is 1.22. Exactly. So uh, 60% of his shots um, were jump shots, and Clay was at 64. So the percentage is really similar. Mm-hmm. Clay was at 1.09, and Mikhail was at 1.22. Uh, part of it uh, is... The fact that Villanova runs an amazing offense, so he he takes most of his shots in the flow of a, of a great offense, and so you have to you have to take this into consideration. And also, Clay Clay Thompson McCannon was much better already in college. Mikal has a very very good mechanics, but still um, he's not as fluid, not as uh, compact as the one of Clay Thompson. So take this into consideration. Um, but let's go to the second. Um, question. The first player um, shots 1.4 when guarded and 1.3 when unguarded. Okay? Mm -hmm. So this is always point possession. Uh, The other one scores 1.01 when it's guarded and 1.46 when unguarded. Oh, wow. Uh, Clay Thompson shoots better when he's guarded. No, it's actually Mikhail Bridges. Okay. So Bridges takes like 63% of his shots when guarded <laughs> and has 1.41, basically. That's insane. It's insane. It's actually insane. This doesn't make any sense. And Clay Thompson has a normal uh, shooting percentage when guarded. Yeah. Um, True to be told, uh, Clay was not at his best athletically in college, while I think that Mikal is already at his ceiling. So, again, I'm not saying that Mikal will be better than, than Thompson, but I, I think uh, there is a pretty um, similar way to, to play basketball games. And they are both great uh, when unguarded. Clay was just automatic. Like 1.47 is when I'm guarded, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's better than Trey. It, it's it's not better than Trey Young, which had, uh, as we all remember, two uh, in unguarded <laughs> situations, but <laughs> but still is on 84 shots, 84 possessions. He made like 123 points, which is just just nuts. Um, last stats: Who is uh, shooting better uh, from mid range? like medium between, say, 10 feet and the three-point line. Clay? Clay. Clay was at 0.87, which is, by NBA standard, elite. Mm -hmm. And Mikhail Bridges is 0.8. So it's it's close. They are very close as shooters. And I think the the comp can be interesting for for the following reasons. Um, There is a huge need in the league of players that can shoot off the bounce uh, and shoot um, catch and shoot with 
very, very good percentage and that can actually defend. And Mikhail Bridges has something that Clay doesn't have, which is 7-1 wingspan. Yeah. And Clay has something that probably Mikhail will not have uh, for his entire career, which is the best shooting mechanism ever. And so it is interesting to see how the career of um, Mikhail Bridges uh, will shape. Stats-wise, he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, a few a few more uh, things about Mikhail Bridges. He is almost 22 years old, yeah. which is... You know, by draft standards, that's old. Um, yes. You know, 20, you know, 21. Uh, Is Mitchell's um, age. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, he has, he's six foot seven. He's got that seven one wingspan, like you mentioned. He's 200 pounds. Uh, he could stand to be a little beefier. Um, mm-hmm. But he's a guy that can really shoot it. He can defend pretty well. Um He's actually a pretty good shot blocker at the rim. Um, I like him a lot. And I just kind of wonder, you look at this draft and there's a lot of big guys um, here at the top of the draft. We're going to talk about Wendell Carter. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that could go before uh, Bridges. You have Bamba that we've already talked about. You have Bagley, Jaron Jackson, DeAndre Ayton. I guess my question is, should all these bigs go before him? Well, that's. I mean, and we didn't didn't organize because he actually ran pick and roll um, in a solid way. Nothing shiny. Uh, no fancy passes as Doncic. Not even uh, brute force like the one that we saw in Norval Mitchell last year. Uh, but he's very long. Like the fact that you have a guard, the, I think the role is guard, not the small for him. He's not, his body is not suited uh, to play constantly against six nine guys. Mm-hmm. Um, a guard that can close out uh, on on the perimeter because of his length. Uh, a guard that can slide and take advantage even if it's not the fastest in terms of um, in terms of feet he can still close out because of, of the range that he can cover with his wingspan and he wants to play defense and this combo to me is incredibly valuable maybe the ceiling is not the one of an Aton I, I rephrase for sure the ceiling is not the one that Aton has not mm-hmm. even Jaron Jackson um and probably not the same ballpark as Trey Young because he can be a difference maker from day one uh, because the offense, the defense has to do adjustments. You don't have to adjust to a shooter. Um, but I think there's value. There's a lot of value. Uh, and the question that I posed to a friend of mine, Lorenzo, which I discussed draft basically on a daily basis is if you draft um, Chris Middleton at number seven, are you happy or not? Yeah, obviously, I think that you are. Then, then this is the the place you should draft uh, a guy like Michael Bridges, and yeah. I think it, this will be where he ends up being. Um, there's no way to convince uh, an NBA uh, front office guy to take him before Aiden, probably, because no. again, if Aiden pans out, you are talking about a guy that you cannot play small ball against. 
which is arguably the thing that is working the most in the NBA, which is roughly what OKC tried to do for one and a half season with Ennis and Steven, just mm-hmm. bring him like big dude that can actually punish uh, mismatches. Aiton has the potential to be that guy. And on the other end, Jaron Jackson has the potential to be a Gobert-like defender, which I think if you have Middleton and Gobert, you go with Gobert and you don't even think. And so right. there, there are reasons. But to me, like the reasons to take bags, to take Bagley or to take Carter before him are more shallow. So you have to really, really do your diligence and, and look for what you need and what is your plan going forward. Because again, I'm a big uh, draft for fit guy. Uh, not in terms of if there is a generational player, I take uh, the fit guy. But I think there is a lot to do with development in terms of the, the minutes that you can play on my team. And so um, there is there is a chance that a guy like Michael Bridges, Michael Bridges actually um, ended up being the fifth or the sixth uh, pick in the next year draft. Yeah, and uh, you're... I'm I'm with you. Like I don't take him over Aiden. I think that there's even some strange backlash on Aiden right now. Like mm-hmm. I don't I wouldn't take Aiden over Doncic, but it doesn't mean that like Aiden needs to fall back to like the eighth pick. Or no, something. no. <laughs> you don't know? overthink it. Don't overthink it. Right. I mean, it's uh, he's still incredible, and mm-hmm. there's. I don't even know who the last guy. I mean, I guess it was Embiid that had like that that incredible frame. Yeah. You know, and I mean, touch. Yeah. I mean, he's he could be absolutely incredible. He could be Embiid 2.0. And then like you're feeling real stupid if you're the <laughs> yeah, Sacramento exactly. Kings or you're the Atlanta Hawks and you're like, "Yeah, I'm going to pass on him for even Jaron Jackson." Like, I love Jaron Jackson. He's mm-hmm. probably my favorite big in the draft, mm-hmm. but you can't ignore the fact that Aiden can still be better than him. Like I, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that I would take Bridges over Aiden or Jaron Jackson. No. But then when you get to Bagley and Wendell Carter, I'm just like, ugh, like there's just there's just a chance that these guys are your third bigs, you know. And I would, yeah. and I would rather have a starting shooting guard, you know, or starting a just call him a wing, a starting wing, um, in the NBA than those kind of guys. A guy that you know can knock down shots, will be able to play defense. Uh, his age is a concern, but it also means that he can probably play right away. Yeah, you know, if yeah. you're if you're the Sixers with the tenth pick, you're just oh oh yeah, that's a no brainer. I mean, if 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 he slides, oh man. Then, I think, I think I think like Colangelo will probably uh, make make a parade like oh. during the draft. Yeah, like, na- half naked from the streets of Philadelphia, <laughs> just <laughs> something like that. Well, even for Cleveland, and we can talk a little bit about where yeah. he would fit. Like, he would fit very well in Cleveland, but like yeah. if Trey Young doesn't slip to them, or even Michael Porter doesn't slip to them, you know, at eight, if you get Mikel Bridges, I think that that's a that's a solid pick and if you're not able if you're not able to trade uh that pick and get a Kimba walker like we like we suggested like he's a guy that can play next to lebron and hit corner threes and defend Mm -hmm. and you know he could play right away with lebron if lebron wanted to stay so 
Yeah, and and also there is a point uh, where if you if you evaluate a player in a vacuum, um, then you lost something. You you lose something because like Carl Anthony Towns is a much 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 better prospect and player than I don't know Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Probably uh, for eighty-two games, uh, for sure. For eighty-two games, the production of a Jalen Brown is less than a production of a Carl Anthony Towns. But you cannot play Towns against Harden. We saw it. We saw it in the in the first round this this year. Yeah. Um, it's hard to play him, and Towns. Towns is a great offensive player, a great offensive prospect. I don't know if there is a guy in this draft that has the same toolbox as Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and so, like, wings does, don't come for cheap. While if you, if you can get, like, 80% of what uh, a Bagley can give you and draft a guy like Michael Bridges, you do it. And to me, that, that's why... You have to to really understand what you want to do uh, as a team, yeah. Because you can get bigs. Uh, Marcus All will probably be shopped around. Yeah. Um, there there are players like there are teams that have a surplus of centers. Beyond you can have Biombo if you have the money, uh, and it will give you solid defense for like 10, 15 minutes. Wings you cannot find them um, for free, and so. Mm-hmm. This needs to be taken into account with, with again, with some, uh, like, with the fact that Aiton is, Aiton or guys like Aiton uh, doesn't come for free either. Right. Yeah, I just kind of look at these guys and think, can you start, you know, if you think about their prime, would mm-hmm. they would they be able to start on a conference finals or even an NBA finals level team? You know, you look at Aiton and you say, yeah, like he could, he could be the guy that leads them there, you know? Yeah. Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Yes. For sure. He could be that guy. Even Mo Bamba. Like I could see Mo Bamba being that guy. Like, yeah. Eh, eh. We're already in the... <laughs> well, like, I'm, I'm the, talking about ceiling. can. Yes. But also Bagley can. If he can actually slide with guards, as we saw. Yeah. He, he, he may. But again, it's, it's less certain than a guy like Bridges being a solid defender and shooter. That's yeah, for sure. And you can see like you, you get to Mikael Bridges and you're like, yeah, he could, he could do this. Like mm-hmm. he really could. He can be a Trevor Ariza guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe, he, maybe better than him. Yeah. A better shooting Ariza type guy. Um, yeah. Uh, let's move on to the other Bridges brother. They're not really brothers, but they just have the same last name. Uh, Miles Bridges, uh, who is, he played at Michigan State. He is 6'7". He's, uh, wait a minute, hold on. I was looking at Mikhail Bridges. Hold on. He's 6'8". Six, 6'8", eight. Six, eight. yes. 200 and well, a lot of pounds. Hold on. I need to go to a more credible website. <laughs> Uh, okay, here we go. Miles Bridges, six seven, six eight wingspan, two thirty. So he's the uh, he's the beefier of the Bridges brothers, and uh, but he doesn't have the same measurables. You know, Mikhail has that seven foot wingspan, and uh, Miles is closer to what his height is, which is not great length. 
Um, but he projects as a, a good floor spacing kind of tweener forward. Uh, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll be a versatile defender. I think that he has the thickness to guard multiple positions. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a guy back in the day that would have had no position. He, you know, six years ago, you'd be terrified of miles bridges because you're like, Mm -hmm. he's not a three and he's not really, he's not really big enough to be a four. You know, he's, he's coming off. He's going to be able to come off the bench, but you know, and this is a guy that you had mentioned to me, Marcus Morris, Marcus Morris can play a lot in the conference finals. Now, you know, Mm -hmm. five or six years ago, no way. But now, like, the league is built for guys like him that can guard multiple positions and shoot it from deep. And uh, so I think that Miles Bridges has a lot of value in this draft, too. Like, he's he's a guy that you can look at with his ceiling and say, yeah, he could he could probably start for a conference finals type team with the right team around him. Uh, he's got the skill set there. He's got the size. Uh, you wish that he had better length, but he doesn't. But he's still uh, a super interesting prospect. Yeah, and there are like a ton of players uh, in recent years that had success and has the same measurables um, or close to Miles Bridges. Uh, Jay Crowder, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like PJ Tucker, he's even taller than him. Um, you mentioned the Morris brothers. Uh, there are a lot of guys um, that are beefy enough uh, to handle bigger guys in the post, which is crucial um, when you try to switch. And and he can shoot it. Like, don't be fooled by his uh, shooting percentage, which are still decent uh, at Michigan State, but not great. Uh, he actually improved um, in um, free throw percentage, which is an incredible tell uh, for um, shoot quality at college level. And he actually measured, uh, now that I look at it, uh, at the combine pretty well in wingspan as well. Uh, I didn't saw it. Uh, it's updated to 6.9.5. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's, That's it's a lot better. better than what we thought. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a lot better. Uh, it's, it was not updated in any other website. Um, and it's actually recent, so we, we can trust his number. And he was also in perfect shape at the combine, 5.9 body fat percentage, which doesn't mean anything uh, because you can take whatever things to lower your body fat in the week before. Um, but still, uh, had it showed himself uh, with a huge body fat percentage that's that's always not a good tell um like i I was saying before i like basically derailed on these measurements that the shooting percentage is actually skewed by the fact that he was taking a ton of bad shots and if you look if you watch clips you see um like ill-advised three-point shots all over the place part because he was one of the go-to guy at Michigan State and he's not really a go-to guy and so um, I think that with space uh, with a better uh, offensive team around him he can be super effective in this um, small ball power forward or uh, small forward uh, if you if you have like mobile power forward uh, in the NBA and and I think he can play the small forward defensively because he's really 
fast um, and he's a very good athlete and he's young. He's super young for a sophomore in college. He's the same age as Jason Tatum. He could have been drafted like the same uh, year of Tatum. He just decided to go back. Um, an ill-advised decision, if you if you hear me. But still, there is a lot to like in Miles Bridges. Yeah, again, just just the versatility that he offers, you know, and, and he's a guy that I don't know that I would take him over Bagley, but I think that when you get to Wendell Carter, you know, there's a lot of mock drafts that have Miles Bridges going after Wendell Carter. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know which one of those guys I would take. Um, yeah. Just because I, I know where Miles fits in the modern NBA. And I know that he can play, you know, and he's he could be a, a super sub type of guy, too, who maybe he doesn't fit into the starting lineup, but he comes in and he can sub in for multiple guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just don't see him failing in the NBA. I don't see him um, really outside of like a six or seven man rotation. Uh, I think that ultimately he can be a starter in this league and really help somebody. Um but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. What do, where do you think is a good fit for him um, in the lottery? That's that's a good question. Let me pull back the, um, the order. Um, I think that the first six positions, um, so up until Orlando, um, these are not good fit. Uh, yeah. And, and, well, Dallas is a good fit for anyone, uh, but it's too high. Uh, it's a reach to draft. Right. Um, the expectations would be too high on him because a, a lot of these yeah. teams are looking for go-to type of guys. Yeah. And he's, like you mentioned, like he couldn't even be that guy in college. And so... Oh, oh, he, he scored, but he's not an efficient one. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to, to, to project a career like that in the NBA. Right. Chicago, it's interesting. Uh, but yeah. I think... Um, I think he's too small to play full-time power forward uh, with Markkanen at the five. Um, The fit is not great. I hope, well, I hope that Chicago drafts Michael Porter because that 6'10 body can actually be a very good fit with Laurie Markkanen. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, not very high defensive potential, but at least they have the length to, to... to make it plausible. Um, Cleveland is a good fit um, because like, depend, depending on what they want to do. Uh, New York is, um, it, it has this close to the same um, issues um, that Chicago has because right. you want to, to put Porzingis at the five and I am not sure he is the perfect guy to put uh, with Porzingis. Mm-hmm. Um, Philly, Philly, is, Philly is very interesting. Um, yes. Another big, big body, uh, beefy body that can handle switches. Like they can switch one through five. Yeah. Uh, with even even with them beat out. Think about the lineup that has Simmons, Sharich, um, uh, Bridges, and Covington, and like a point guard that has this like a bit taller than well maybe Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. That lineup is six five or better in any position. Yep. And Charlotte 
Eh, I don't know. Uh, depending on <laughs> what, like, like Charlotte, Charlotte, I don't really know. Uh, I don't know who I, fits in Charlotte. No, no, it's, it's, they're going, probably anyone, because they're going to probably rebuild uh, yeah. quite soon. Clippers, uh, they have, they have a version of Miles Bridges. They can play him and Tobias mm-hmm. at the three and the four and probably be okay with that. So I don't see problems and I see a very, very good fit, but I am sure he will not, uh, well, I'm not hundred percent sure, but quite sure that he will not slide until Denver because in Denver, Denver is probably the best fit for him. Yeah. He'd be perfect. Uh, yeah. He'd be perfect. <clears throat> he will. So he or Mikhail would be, uh, oh, man, like incredible in that, in that setting because they, if they provide toughness, they provide shooting, they provide defense, size, all the things that actually Denver missed this season. They have uh, a pseudo guy that does that thing, which is uh, Wilson Chandler, but he's not uh, nearly um, close to his athletical and physical prime anymore. And so he, they will sweet, they will slide in uh, seamlessly in that kind of system. Yeah, but they won't last till 14. I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, I just think that one of these, I mean, between 8 and 13, both those guys, if they're not already taken, we'll have to, I just, I'd just be surprised because I, I think that GMs obviously are watching the conference finals and they're thinking, who are the guys that we have that could play in these games? Because like you look at, uh, the Rockets and they have some talented guys on their team that just they won't play yeah. in, in these games and I think that you have to sit back and evaluate who are the guys that we have you know the Rockets mm-hmm. have six or maybe seven yeah you know some night who who do we have that fits and then they have to look at the draft and say who in this draft do we project that can play in these games and I think that you look at Mikhail and Miles Bridges and you say, you know what? I think that both those guys, you know, projecting out could play in these games. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's where if you're, especially if you're the Clippers and you have these two chances to draft, you know, talent, I think that you have to look at Miles Bridges and say, yeah, like he's, he's a guy, he's a guy that can do this. Um, and you don't let him slip past, you know, 13. No, I think that the Bridges and Kevin Knox, uh, which are like both, well, uh, I think that Mikal is, is uh, more of a tweener between the shooting guard and the uh, and the small four, while the yeah. other two guys, Knox and Bridges, are more um, small forwards, power forwards, wings that can handle a bit. Oh, another thing about Miles, Miles can handle a bit, which is crucial uh, for a guy like that. But I think that those three players should go between uh, eight and thirty. Um, like not not away from that range. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, let's go to our last prospect, and then we'll close. Uh, Wendell Carter. He played for Duke. He played next to Marvin Bagley, uh, which was a kind of an interesting fit and kind of an interesting mm-hmm. compare contrast for the season for those two. Um, he's a big man. He's going to be a center in the NBA. Uh, what are your, what are your overall thoughts on him? Well, he features two of the most interesting, well, three of the most interesting, uh, uh, treats of a center, um, which are rebounding ability, 
um, shooting ability and kind of shot blocking ability. Yeah. And and he can also pass kind of shot blocking ability. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Kind of shot blocking. <laughs> well, he was averaging 3.2 blocks per 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, I these things are hard to evaluate, uh, especially in a team like Duke, which which has, like, all sort of issues. Because um, they, they, they run strange stuff. It's always difficult to evaluate um, Duke players but on, on both ends. Um, think about, like, Tatum and... Jabari Parker and you have, you have it. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. And so he was, uh, he, he has feel, but again, I w- as I was saying to you when, um, um, like uh, off, before the podcast, there's nothing about him that really pops. I think he will be solid. Um, he can contribute. He is a sound center that can do a lot of stuff that are interesting in the NBA. Uh, again, a guy that shoots more than 40% and he's 6'10 with a decent wingspan 7.3 well a good, a good wingspan and that can that can put um, can make solid screen is is a, is a guy that, that will probably succeed in the, in the NBA I'm not really sure about the ceiling um, and it, it's very hard to parse the ceiling of a guy that Wendell Carter because if if he goes to Golden State uh, where he will be able to pass because guys move and he will be able to shoot because no one will guard him. I think he will be a great fit uh, in an offense of the one that Carlisle, Carlisle runs. He'll be incredible. In Orlando, I think he will be terrible because they don't have a system. Um, so... Poor, like I, I hate Orlando. Um, I'm, I always hate on Orlando. I there's just nothing to be seen, and so until yeah. they show they're some just, some path, mm-hmm. so there's no way to see a guy like Wendell Carter in that setting. And right, and so I think he's a risky prospect in terms of not of the floor because of, he has a very high floor. But if you draft him at four, that's three. Boy, that's high. Um, he can be a very solid player, but do you want to draft a very solid center uh, at three in this NBA? I don't know, uh, and that's to me. I think I think to me, like the, the the percentage of failure with a guy as sounded as Wendell Carter is minimal. Is yeah. really minimal because he can do like a lot of things, but. But to reach the full potential, he needs um, he needs a structure. While a guy like Aiton can be the structure, Wendell Carter can be a facilitator uh, to an offense uh, and uh, the missing link on a very good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a high floor guy, kind of yeah, David West ish because he's got mm. he's got touch and he can kind of do everything. But like David yeah. West was never your go to guy. He was always like your secondary or your third guy or he's very good and played on some great teams. He was great with Chris Paul, um, with the Hornets. He was great in Indiana. Uh, he played well, obviously late in his career with San Antonio and Golden State. Um, but he was never just like this superstar guy. And that's kind of the feel that you get for Carter yeah. A little bit too. Some pe- the high end comparison is Al Horford, and you hear that thrown around a lot. Yeah. Um, 
I think that underrates a little bit how special Al Horford is, though. Um, you know, he's top end decision maker. He's a top end, mm-hmm. you know, defender at that size and at that position. Um, and he's got great touch. Uh, but we also saw the limitations of an Al Horford last night, too. You know, he wasn't able to take over that game, and which is which is where you can kind of see the comps for Carter is that you just don't like, I don't, I don't know if he can be a guy that can take over a game like that. And maybe he can't and that's okay. Most NBA players can't. Um, but you kind of see the floor. Yeah, that's right. You see the floor as your third big, like at, at worst he's your backup center. He can kind of probably play both positions at times, but really not in this NBA. He's really mostly a center. Um, but he's at worst your third big, and you're not going to swing and miss with him. You're you're going to get like a solid single or double with him. You're not going to, in my opinion, you're not going to hit it out of the park with this guy. Have you said singular and solid in the same sentence? <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, no, that's not a thing, uh, McKelly. No. It's really not. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I agree hundred uh, percent on your analysis. I think, I think, I think you nailed. It. I mean, the floor—it's the interesting part. And if you are a team that needs talent that can play, then then one of the Carter can be your guy. Uh, you can you, you don't go wrong with him. Yeah, you just don't you, don't, you just don't swing for defenses. You just don't draft for sinning any one uh, one other thing that is really important is that he's so damn young 1999 yeah. mm-hmm. which makes me incredibly sad <laughs> uh, every time I, re- I i read 1999 it's the last year that we just, we saw just 1999ers or something like that mm-hmm. next year will be the year of doom i know i can't i I'm not looking forward to seeing 2000s on draft <laughs> prospects' <laughs> names. It's just not that will not be okay. It's not right. Uh, but yeah, he's he's interesting I, as far as fit. You know, it's tough because if you're as high as Dallas, man, like there's just too much talent there. Like you, you'd rather mm. swing for Michael Porter, you know. And if Trey Young is there, uh, like. You know, you don't love the fit, but if you're Dallas, like I'm still like, I'm just going to take Trey Young because I just feel like he's the best guy available, you know? And I think if you're Dallas, they're not ready to do anything, you know, and they just need to get talent. And so I would swing for a Trey Young if I'm them. And so like, I'm, I'm not even considering Carter there because there's too much talent on the board at that point in time. Uh, sh- you, you can play with Chicago. Like you can toy around with the idea of Chicago playing him, both him and Markkanen together because Laurie can play the four. Yeah. Uh, Carter is a better defender than Laurie. And so the, in a setting like that one where you can play him reasonably soon, 25 plus minutes because he can take all your bench minutes and can share the floor with Markkanen, assuming that, Robin Lopez goes elsewhere uh, to play for something. Um, mm. it, it's not a bad idea. It will not be a bad idea, especially if uh, Porter, Young, Doncic, Bamba, uh, well, not Bamba, um, Bagley, Aiton, and Jackson are gone. Yeah. Then at, this, at seven, you can say, 
I don't want a wing uh, because I think that Levine and Dunn are like part of my steady rotations. Mm-hmm. I want a center that can anchor a defense, which I need. Then, then it, it might not be uh, the worst idea uh, to draft someone as sound as Wendell Carter that can play with literally anyone on the court and be successful. Yeah. Carter versus Bamba is a really interesting question because yeah. it's, I mean, Bamba's floor is bo- bottom of the barrel. Yeah. I don't, I mean, he can move a whole lot better <laughs> than the beacon, but the, the way he thinks the game, yeah, you can, you can see him being a bust. Um, he can. Carter won't be a bust. Like he just won't. Like he's hardly, just, hardly. He'll, he'll play in the NBA for 10 plus years. Probably he may not, he's not going to be a go-to guy, but he'll start for several years and probably be a guy that comes off the bench later on. And you're going to be like, Oh man, I can't believe the the Spurs have Wendell Carter now coming off the bench <laughs> in there, you know, run to another championship. You know, it's, he, he's just, he's not going to miss. And Bamba, like Bamba could either be like a bust, like we talked about, or he could be a top three player in this draft. Like he has that kind of ceiling where you're like, whoa, like this guy protects the rim at an elite level. He has, nobody has the length that he does in the NBA. Nobody does. Yeah. And he can hit threes. Like he is a high, high level. Like he's your super duper role player guy. Like he's not going to be a go-to guy, but he is a super duper role player. And if you can pair him with a good pick and roll partner, like watch out. I mean, that's where, like, if you're Dallas and let's say Porter and Trey Young are gone and Bamba and Carter are sitting there and you want a big, who would you take? I don't know. Uh, It's, it's, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a tough question who you draft besides like after Aiden, probably it's Jackson and it's not, but after that, like it's, it's hard uh, because again, Bamba's floor is concerning, Um, but also the ceiling because he can be maybe a a long rim protector that will never uh, build up a frame and he will not be able to handle contacts. Yeah. And, there are multiple ways in which you can fail as an NBA prospect. Uh, and we always, and that's out of our hands because we don't have the opportunity uh, yet to, to talk with these guys, to, to understand their mental approach to game. Right. I was fooled by Simmons completely, um, as I probably already said here. Uh, I really thought that Ingram was the guy because Simmons really didn't care about defense throughout the process. And he, the guys who were more um, informed than us said, well, no, that's, that's just because he doesn't want to play defense, but he knows how, how to do that. And mm-hmm. guess what? Like first game of the season, you say, oh, I'm really, really stupid. Um, <laughs> and so the mental part and the switch that some player has, it's, it's difficult to parse uh, from numbers and say, 500 clips per player and mm-hmm. so so modulo that part which will not be part of our analysis it's incredibly different to choose between carter and bamba and if you're dallas and you probably can afford 
to waste one year of um, Dennis Smith Jr., uh, then you swing and you try Bamba. If you are Chicago, you may think, I already have three very good players. Let's find another one that can anchor a very solid rotations. And then maybe we will lure free agents sooner or later because Chicago is a big market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm Chicago or if I'm Dallas, I probably just go Bamba. Mostly because mm-hmm. I trust my coaching staff. Um, I trust the culture of the team. And, you know, they you only have so many chances to swing for the fences. You can go get solid guys to play on your team. Like you can find those guys. You can, mm-hmm. I know Wendell Carter probably projects to be better than Robin Lopez, but yes, if you want Robin Lopez, you can go get him and he'll be super solid for your team. You know? Yeah, you're right. No, I mean, better than solid. I mean, you want like uh subpar uh, players um, uh, that can be part of your core. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a guy like Charge, yeah. Like to me, that is the ceiling of a Wendell Carter as sub subpar starters that can do multiple things on the court that are very valuable to a team. And you cannot really get e- that kind of production easily. But I understand what you says. Um, what you say? So it's hard. Um, again, to me, it's very team dependent. And probably Bamba will be taken by Orlando and will be uh, <laughs> an incredible mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised because they that those that GM loves length and athleticism and high ceiling and yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's the former GM uh, of Milwaukee, the one that drafted Giannis. Yeah, and uh, Thon Maker McCor. Whatever. Thon, Thon, Thon Macher. Macher. Yeah. Yeah. I just just can't tell you how weird I feel saying it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, he's, and Bamba is is still super interesting. Um, Scary, a scary prospect just because there's a range of outcomes. Um, Mm. But back to Carter, there's really not, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a massive target for, for Wendell Carter, and he's likely going to hit the target of being a start, a starting center in this league, probably not a top 10 type center, but a top, you know, 15, 16 ish center in the NBA. And you're like, you know, like that's a, that's a good player and that's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So if you're a GM that you're just looking forward to keeping your job and staying put, <laughs> draft Wendell Carter because he's he's not going to um, he's not going to get you a raise and he's not going to lose you your job he's just going to keep you right where you're at Um, McKelly anything else before we go no I think we we went deep into these three players we did um, there's so many other prospects to to discuss so we'll we'll, um, increase the, the pace in June Yes. And we're going to cover as we get closer to the draft, we're going to take a look at some second round guys. Um, it's tough cause there's not quite as much information about some of these dudes. Um, and also some of the information's not as good. <laughs> they're not really as fun to cover either because they're like, yeah, you know, like this guy could easily not ever play in the NBA ever, <laughs> or yeah. they could be your ninth guy, 
you know, it's not the conversation's not quite as fun, but we'll take a look at some guys that the Thunder could look at um, with their two late round picks and kind of discuss what they could do with those picks or if they even want to keep them um, and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll get into that soon, but I think that most people that listen to our show are not just Thunder fans, you're NBA fans and, uh, to me, I think it's valuable to kind of get a look at all these guys before they even come into the NBA. And so you know who they are. And when they start their rookie years, you can say, oh, yeah, I knew that they did this and this and this and that they're this kind of player. Um, to me, that was always really fun. And I've always loved the draft because of that. So I uh, hope you guys are enjoying these shows, uh, getting to know some of these prospects. You can follow uh, McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Uh, you can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht on Twitter. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Uh, we just appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Leave us a five-star review if you've got some time. It's just a free way to support us. Um, that would just mean a lot. Also, we're selling these Paul George chicken fried rice t-shirts. And you can find the link at uh, on our Twitter bio um, on Down to Dunk. Uh, there's a big cartel link there. Click it. We've had a shocking number of people buy these shirts and it is why shocking. They are awesome. I mean, there it's a cool shirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But when we made them, we were just like, I don't know, maybe four people will buy this. Uh, but it's been no. astonishing the amount of people that have bought this shirt. So please, it, it's seriously, it's only available through Friday. And if you want a Paul George chicken fried rice shirt, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to the podcast from May 18th. It was a Friday show and we did a, an ad for Oklahoma shirt company at the end of it. Um, so go check out like the last five ish minutes of the show on May 18th. If you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, but if you do know what I'm talking about and you want one of those shirts, uh, they're only available for limited time. We're only going to print, um, just a few. So we've already got a way more than we thought we would. We've had a huge chunk of people actually buy them. So if, uh, if you want to be one of those people that has a limited edition, Paul George chicken fried rice shirt, go buy it today. Click the link. Uh, have a wonderful Monday. Have a great holiday, I guess. Yeah, it's a holiday here um, in the States. So enjoy your holiday. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.